So artificial intelligence is here, and I believe we've had the cognitive revolution, we've had the agricultural revolution, we've had the industrial revolution, and now we're entering into the information revolution, the information age is here, in which is characterized by artificial intelligence and the atomization of the firm. I think the future is going to be amazing, and ignore all the climate alarmists, ignore all the fools who believe that the world is ending every five minutes, have more babies, and be optimistic about the future. Now, just as a disclaimer before we start, I'm fully sceptical of the word as an investor when it comes to artificial intelligence, AI. I think it's another one of the buzzwords. And I think if you haven't learned anything over the past few years, one thing that is really sticking out for me is the increased wooden bubbles that I believe we're having when it comes to growth stocks, when it comes to the cryptocurrency bubble. Everyone was so optimistic about these new trends. And that seems to be a big cause of concern, a big red flag uh, when it comes to artificial intelligence. But of course, nuances where value is found. And it's important to investigate deeply as to whether artificial intelligence today is actually producing any utility and analyze both arguments in regards to why it could be useful, why perhaps it is another bubble as we saw within the cryptocurrency sector. So to kick it off, let's look at Kathy Wood and what she said, Ark Invest, about AI in this latest clip. Well, these models are really interesting and cool and fun to share your friends. They're actually impacting the productivity of knowledge workers already. In the case of coding, we've seen AI coding assistants like GitHub Copilot more than doubling the productivity of software engineers when it comes to coding tasks. And so these models are abstracting away some of the more redundant tasks that would be done by software engineers, making them more productive. We've also seen examples on the design front. We did a survey and found that if we wanted to have a graphic designer create a relatively complex image, it would cost about $150 in human labor. We can ask a neural net to create a similar image. And after it generates a few images, getting a satisfactory one costs all in about eight cents. And we expect that cost to continue to decline. And so in the case of image models, we've seen a cost decline from $150 in unassisted human labor down to eight cents with generative AI. So there are a lot of fears at the moment in regards to why AI is going to replace every single human and we're going to be here twiddling our thumbs, looking up in the sky, wondering what to do with ourselves. But this isn't necessarily going to happen, at least according to billionaire investor Mark Andreessen. He mentioned the fears about new technology replacing human labor and causing overall unemployment have raged across industrial sectors for hundreds of years, despite a nearly continual rise in both jobs and wages in capitalistic economies. The job apocalypse is always right around the corner. And he quotes the, what he calls ludits, which are basically people that are scared of technology. There have been two major anti-job kind of moral panics over the past 20 years, including that of the internet. Mark Andreessen states in the 2000s, the internet caused moral panic in regards to outsourcing and robots in the 2010s. And the result was the best national and global economy in human history in pre-COVID 2019 with the most jobs at the highest wages ever. He mentions here and distinguishes between what he believes the two economies we live within, one in being the technological sector, other the non-technical sector, which is characterized by huge levels of regulation. As you can see from this graph, the lines in blue are the sectors where technological innovation is allowed to push down prices whilst increasing quality. And the lines in red are the sectors where technological innovation is not permitted to push down prices. In fact, the prices of education, healthcare and housing, as well as anything provided or controlled by the government to go into the moon, even as those sectors are technologically stagnant. And this raises a really interesting point in regards to Peter Till and his commentary on the board of bits versus the physical world. 
in which there's been a fascinating trend over the past 20 years in which innovation has solely been present within the world of bits, whereas other areas of the world literally have been stagnant. And you can use the thought experiment to kind of highlight this point clearly. If you were to put yourself within a room and take away all the screens, then there's not really much distinguishing from now, the future, and the 1990s, let's say. Not much has changed within that period if you take away the screens. He was recently on a podcast, Peter Till, in which he noted that there's this unique dynamic with technological change in which you're basically sitting on this brand new fancy iPhone whilst still being within this 100-year-old subway in which hasn't had any innovation occurring um, to it over the past few years, centuries. Nothing has changed within the physical world, he states. All of the innovation is solely within the world of bits. Mark Andreessen continues, now think what happens over time. The prices of regulated non-technical products rise, the prices of less regulated technologically powered products fall. Which eats the economy, he asks. The regulated sectors continuously grow as a percentage of GDP. The less regulated sectors shrink. At the limit, 99% of the economy will be the regulated non-technological sectors, which is precisely where we are headed. Therefore, he states, AI cannot cause overall unemployment to rise, even if this technological fear argument is right this time. AI is simply already illegal across much of the economy, soon to be virtually all of the economy. And I think there are some parallels when it comes to the agricultural revolution and the introduction of the tractor, in which once again caused more panic and fear to spread in regards to mass unemployment. But in reality, it majorly enhanced productivity for workers and created many new jobs in which previously we didn't actually anticipate. There is also another clip I want to show you in regards to training data and why this is the most important factor. The demand for AI training data is exceptionally high and one company is leading this revolution called Scale AI in which they basically provide data for organizations in order to train their artificial intelligence algorithms upon. It's a great business model. So these cost declines, uh, which we think will open up a broad market for AI, uh, they, they beg the question, what will we do with this cheaper compute? Uh, we won't just be able to run more inferences, but we'll be able to train larger models. Uh, if you look at GPT-3, uh, which is already a large model at 170 billion parameters, uh, there's a question of uh, how big models will get in the future and what data will be needed to train those models. Uh, DeepMind, an AI unit inside of Google, published a, a paper uh, regarding a model they created called Chinchilla in the beginning of last year uh, that seeks to come up with a, a scaling function for how large models can get based on the amount of training data that we can feed them. And based on our estimates, uh, the largest model they put forth uh, in that paper is a hypothetical 10 trillion parameter model that's 57 times more parameters than the GPT-3 model and 720 times more tokens uh, as this largest kind of theoretical model that they put forth. Uh, if you overlay our cost declines on that, uh, we think that model, which is uh, you know, orders of magnitude larger than GPT-3, could be trained for just uh, $600,000 uh, by 2030. Uh, so that's just 13% of the cost to train GPT-3. Now, the trick there is uh, 216 trillion tokens of training data. Uh, so that's larger than uh, the total size of Wikipedia, for example. Uh, there's going to need to be a lot of language data generated to feed models once we get uh, training capacity this large. Um, to, I think that brings about an interesting question in terms of what is most important with getting an edge in AI training uh, that's particularly related to proprietary data advantages. Uh, and I'll turn it back to Will to talk a little bit more. Now, as we'll speak about within one moment, proprietary data is key. And the question is, who has access to this proprietary data? And how can one in the future perhaps leverage this data out 
in order for other companies to purchase or rent in some manner and therefore train the artificial intelligence algorithms upon. And as I've written on Danton's premium, when one looks at a range of high-performing algorithms across domains such as speech recognition, image recognition, and summary of text, under the hood, these will use basically a very similar code base. A major shift has happened. Code more or less has become the commodity, whereas the main differentiating factor is the data in which your organization owns, sits upon, or has access to within some way. For companies, the strategic assets is something that enables differentiation against competitors. As more and more so as more and more software shifts towards AI, the vector differentiation shifts to data from code and the access of data in which one has availability to. As Frank mentioned, we believe proprietary data is really important, both in terms of training a model, but also in terms of fine tuning and continually improving a model. When we think about a use case like self-driving, data is really important. A company like Tesla, in our opinion, is in an advantaged position in part because of the data that they've acquired. They have millions of cars on the road driving billions of miles, and they're using those cars to continually collect more data that improves their full self-driving capability. For example, if a driver presses a brake while autopilot is engaged, Tesla marks that as a error on the part of the AI. They can then use that example to continually train the model and further improve it. We believe data advantages in this feedback loop exist in other verticals as well. For example, in software development, AI coding assistants are continually improving based on the feedback they're getting from usage. So a company like Replit that has millions of software engineers on their platform and is continually improving their AI models, we think will be in an advantage position moving forward. Now, as I've reiterated many times and written about deeply on Dantons.com, in which you can subscribe to the Deep Dive newsletter for one email per month on an industry or topic in depth, I've mentioned that proprietary data is a necessity. The point being, do you have access? Do you have this cornered resource of data in regards to perhaps ownership or just pure access to the data at hand in which therefore you can train your artificial intelligence upon, you can train the algorithms or you can train your general product upon in order to increase within utility. Via another dimension, Palantir has cornered resources via the use of battle testing their products and software for 18 plus years across governmental agencies and commercial companies. Palantir since inception has worked with intelligence departments and fundamentally within the hardest conditions available. Of course, I'm an investor within Palantir. I think it's one of the most interesting artificial intelligence software companies to date and has a tremendous advantage in which they've basically garnered over the past 20 plus years. Via the use of network effect creation, this has allowed the company to leverage those lessons for 18 plus years, increasing the utility of the platform, both for commercial and governmental clients. And what's interesting to me is the fact that Silicon Valley has been against this idea of working in partnership with governments when it comes to the military context. Google famously worked with the Chinese Communist Party in order to leverage their artificial intelligence product. However, in reality, Palantir believes ethically that the company should... However, fundamentally, Palantir does believe ethically that companies from the US should partner with the United States government, or at least justify the reasons as to why they're not working with the USG. But it turns out that according to the CEO of Palantir, through working with governments, you have a huge, tremendous advantage in regards to the cornered resource of data availability. The CEO, Alex Karp, shared a unique perspective regarding the consumer-facing AI versus the use of military-facing AI. He stated that the widespread adoption of AI in civilian applications is going to come soon, but in the military context, it has already arrived. Point is evident, whilst AI is currently being popularized within the context of GPT and consumer-facing initiatives, Palantir has already been working deeply with AI in the context of the military. 2030. In our base case, 
that would result in companies spending about $14 trillion a year on AI software. And we believe that could create more than $90 trillion in enterprise value. In our bull case, at 100% adoption rate, we think companies could spend $41 trillion on AI software to increase labor productivity by more than $200 trillion. That's compared to the $32 trillion they currently spend on knowledge worker salaries today. So the future, the near future at least, is very clear to me. I'm more skeptical when it comes to AGI and these radical predictions in terms of creating a new intelligence that is basically going to displace humans based on the superior intelligence. But I do believe, at least for the foreseeable future, the augmenting of humans in conjunction with AI is so powerful for the economy and will massively boost GDP growth. If you just look at this graph, you can see how within basically every sector, from lawyers to bookkeepers, there is going to be a huge productivity multiplier in terms of artificial intelligence software. With software developers, accountants, or bookkeepers, AI is going to be coupled. And instead of replacing or displacing, this massively increases the productivity of these workers, therefore enabling to do their job you know, in a much faster manner. That is the future of artificial intelligence, which I see in comparison to these more planic type claims in regards to a full displacement. So let me know your thoughts. Thank you so much for watching and check out Danton's premium if you wish to support the channel. And Danton's for $3 a month, it's 20 cents a day. You can access to behind the scenes footage, videos, articles, and research which we post on a weekly basis. Thank you and I'll see you soon.